Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino. I'm a psychotherapist, teacher, consultant, and most importantly, a wounded healer, living and working in Chicago, Illinois. And I'm your host, Anne Remy. I'm a counseling psychotherapist, yoga teacher, and trauma specialist living in Brighton, UK. On this show, we interview folks in a variety of healing professions, and we discuss the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others. But we're not just focused on individual healing, but also healing on the collective level, from white supremacy, late-stage capitalism, and the patriarchy. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Anne. Oh, hey, Sarah. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty great. I had a nice little sea swim today. How are you doing today? (laughs) Well, now that we've had all of these technical issues, (laughs) I'm wanting to throw my computer out the window, and now my dogs are starting to bark. So this is just what we're dealing with today. That's today. Yeah. Yeah. Still having laryngitis. Hopefully, the next time you hear me, I won't be having it anymore, but we'll see. Mm. All right. So today's guest was really special to me, but before we do that, let's talk about ways you can support the podcast. So we've got merch some super cute merch. If you want to buy it, you can go to tinyurl.com slash C-W-H merch. That's C-W-H-M-E-R-C-H. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast, which is amazing and super helpful. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash convos with a wounded healer for as little as a dollar a month. I mean, literally, you can just give us a dollar and then stop the donation after that. We greatly appreciate it. We will send you a little welcome gift if you're in the U.S. or U.K., and we appreciate you. So today, well, a million years ago, it feels like now, I spoke with Lama Rod Owens, Mm -hmm. and I was in a really like weary, weary place in the world Mm -hmm. when I met him and talk about it right at the beginning of the interview. Mm -hmm. Like I was weeping in front of him. And... The presence that he embodies just feels so important and so crucial in a time where so many people are being persecuted for being outside of the cis white male, Mm -hmm. you know, het standard. And he's just a divine, lovely human. Mm. What did you think? It's funny because I heard the word Tantra and immediately I went, "Mm." (laughs) because Brighton is a hippie town. We've discussed this before. There's a lot of tantric workshops and stuff. And in the yoga community, tantra is a pretty big thing. And it comes with a lot of very problematic yeah. and abusive stuff. So as soon as any anywhere, as soon as I hear the word tantra, immediately, yeah. I'm like, mm. So I was like, calm down. We know Sarah's not trying to bring somebody problematic out here. Nope. And I was like, Slow your roll, girl. Listen up. It was actually one of my favorite interviews you've ever done. Oh, yeah, because I was listening to him and I was just going, "Yeah, mmm, yeah," and was just getting so into it. So I'm really happy that you had that experience for yourself, but also that you were able to bring us into it because, and in some ways, it was very corrective for me, just mm. with my relationship with the word Tantra and, and what it evokes for me. Awesome. Mm. Very cool. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people hear Tantra and they think like tantric sex, like sting is somehow the reference point for tantric sex in my mind. Oh. There was something with him and his wife 
I don't, I don't even know, but I, and we don't even talk about Tantra, Lama Rod and I. So actually if I, if I ever get to connect with him again, I'll have to, I'll have to ask him to kind of unpack like what Tantra is. But Mm. I mean, basically anything we know about any other cultural things from the US, we've fucked it up and misappropriated Mm. it. So like, it's Mm. generally probably wrong. Right. Oh, (laughs) And I mean, also the UK, let's, let's definitely include that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it was really nice to, to kind of just hear him and hear his perspectives on like life and freedom, specifically what freedom means. And I think it felt so much more meaningful yeah. coming from a queer black man, Yeah, but also to hear you talk about how freedom how as white people, we are imprisoned by our own racist upbringing and ideas, right? Yeah. And that's something that I had talked about with Aisha episodes ago. Yep. And so it was nice to have this, to hear this again, but from other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I know you still haven't really reconciled what spirituality really is for mm-hmm. you, but it's interesting that, because I was thinking as you were talking about the people who I really hear liberation from, and they're all black, and they're all, they all have some sort of like spiritual leaning, like Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, Radical Dharma is a book by Reverend Angel Kyoto mm-hmm. Williams and Lama Rod also was part mm-hmm. of that. Lama Rod, Resma Menicum, even though Resma is a, a therapist, mm-hmm. when he speaks, I feel like I'm, I'm in a soulful, mm-hmm. like spiritual lecture. It's so much more. It's like, and, and this goes back to like a lot of white people want to check the boxes and do the cultural competency CEUs mm-hmm. or learn how do I not be racist with my clients? But you can't unless you are willing to open your heart mm-hmm. and do that spiritual process as well. And yeah. I think Lama Rod creates an invitation that is both spiritual, but also very grounded. Well, and what he said, he said, you have to be willing to break your own heart. Yes. And that was like, whoa. Right. Like when he said that, it just like hit me. And I really, really loved that. And that's what you just said. Yeah. But we have to actively choose to do that. Right. Right. Well, enough of us chattering on about it. Let's introduce Lama Rod so you can hear him himself. Mm -hmm. So Lama Rod Owens is a black Buddhist Southern queen, an international influencer with a master of divinity degree in Buddhist studies from Harvard Divinity School author of Love and Rage, The Path of Liberation Through Anger, and co-author of Radical Dharma, Talking Race, Love, and Liberation. His teachings center on freedom, self-expression, and radical self-care. A leading voice in a new generation of Buddhist teachers with over 11 years of experience, Lamarad activates the intersections of his identity to create a platform that's very natural, engaging, and inclusive. And his new book, The New Saints, From Broken Hearts to Spiritual Warriors, is available for pre-order now. So please enjoy this soulful conversation with Lama Rod Owens. Thinking of starting your own private practice? Join me for a two-day in-person training, providing what you need to start your own practice on November 9th and 10th in Chicago. The thought of running your own practice can be scary for some, but with a few expert tips, it can be a breeze. This NASW course will provide an overview of what you need to start and maintain a private practice. It will be an action-packed two days where you'll learn the business 101s, build your brand, and create a marketing plan. 
Participants will leave the course with sample forms, actionable next steps to build a thriving business, and 12 CEUs. The cost is $159 for NASW members and $199 for non-members. Visit tinyurl.com slash NASW private practice to register. That's tinyurl.com slash NASW private practice. Hello, Llama Rod. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm kind of freaking out about this. Okay. I'm just really excited. <laughs> I don't know. Like, well, can I tell you why you're here from my perspective? Like what, what sure. led us to this for me? Yeah. So I teach master's social work students and mm-hmm. on It was a Tuesday. I had had two classes that day. My students were in pain. Like I just soaked in the collective struggle. And I had acupuncture Mm -hmm. that night at the Hartwood Center. Mm -hmm. And I walk in and I turn right as soon as I walk in the door and I see the flyer Mm -hmm. that says tantric practices for the end of the world. And I started weeping. Mm. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, this is what I need. And then I came to see for like, I didn't have plans on a Saturday, which is crazy. And I came to see you and wept through your whole talk. And Mm. then I got your book. And I'm just I I'm just so excited to learn from you and know of you and, and to get to talk to you today. I just geek out. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. You want to know something even funnier? Yes. So when I decided to come to Heartwood, I thought that Saturday event was an all-day yeah. event, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize it was two hours until like 30 minutes or an hour before, which is not a big deal for yeah. me because I rarely don't know what I'm walking into, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and which is how I operate, yeah. you know? So I was like, oh, what are going to be the tantric practices for <laughs> the apocalypse? I was going to do a bunch. <laughs> And then I settled on what I taught, which is the seven homecomings practice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, I don't know if you saw me crying through the whole thing. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're up front. Yeah. 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 It was what I needed. Yeah. And I know a lot of people there, it was what they needed too. So thank you for that medicine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. tell folks about you. Mm-hmm. Wherever you want to start mm-hmm. is the right place to start. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Lama Rod. Um, I use he, him pronouns. I am currently living on and practicing on the ancestral lands of the Muscogee, Cherokee, and Creek people here in Atlanta. And this is part of the country I grew up in, North Georgia area. So this feels like, you know, a homeland for me. I identify as cisgender, queer, fat. My branding identifies me as a queen. Now, I didn't actually <laughs> write that. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> I didn't no no I don't I don't participate <laughs> in a lot of things you know because I actually don't it's really interesting I don't necessarily have the best understanding of how I show up for people like mm. I only know what I feel in the moment and how mm. I feel embodied you know mm-hmm. and in a really interesting way I don't feel that interesting Yeah for people. I don't yeah. feel that extreme. I don't feel that radical. I just feel very normal. Mm-hmm. I'm very normalized and in, in my experience. But when I talk to other people, that's when I get this feedback. So this is why I ask other people to write about me. That's really smart. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, I actually, we, <laughs> a friend of I have this really great idea. I don't want to put it out there because someone will just take it. I but know. you know, I'm not going to do anything <laughs> with it. 
you know, is that we should create a, like a dating app where your friends write your dating profile. I love that. Instead of you. I had an idea with a client once who had been divorced and he said there should be a dating app where you list all of your bad qualities, like all of the fucked up things. Like I'm divorced. (laughs) I'm an addict in recovery. I've been to treatment three times. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. Real shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, real shit. And then it's your friends who negotiate the first date. I love that. (laughs) That's amazing. Let's do it. So, yeah, let's just, yeah, let's just get some money, do it. Yeah. I mean, we have nothing else to do. No, absolutely not. Not Yeah. It's completely empty. But yeah, well, you know, beyond what I just shared, right, in terms of who I am, I'm, you know, a Buddhist teacher, minister, particularly I teach tantric Buddhism, which for me is a very indigenous-based system of, mm. you know, practice and magic and so forth that is held by an ethical system that wants people, you know, what that that seeks to liberate people, you know, from the causes and conditions of suffering, you know, and dualism and to help us to remember who we are beyond all the mm. chaos and the drama. Right. And that's essentially all I do is I try to show up in the world and I try to do my work, right, to reduce the violence that I create for myself and others. And I just help to, you know, show people how to to be free, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And the best way to do that, I'm guessing, is to free yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Work on yeah. your own liberation. Yeah. Yeah, free art. We have to, we, you know, so many people are so concerned with what everyone else is doing, but we have to bring that energy, that awareness back to ourselves, right? Yeah. And we have to ask ourselves, where, where's my front line at? Right? Mm, you yeah. know, what's happening for me? Where's my suffering yeah. at? And how am I running away from it? And as I run away from it, how do I weaponize it against other people? Because mm-hmm. I don't have the capacity to tend to the deep discomfort. So I'm just going to like distract myself and try to erase other people who I think mm-hmm. are creating the suffering that I'm running away from. Yeah. Right? And I'm trying to disrupt that. Yes. You know, that kind of like habitual kind of reactivity to pain. Yeah. Yeah. You know Resma Menicum, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in I'm in his somatic abolition nine month course right now. And and oh, yeah. it's I mean what I keep saying like it's soul work what yeah. he is doing and what yeah. you are explaining and mm-hmm. I mean this is this is where like talk about like running away from the pain what you really helped shine a light on for me that day that I saw you speak and what I've continued mm-hmm. to lean into since then is like I do spend a lot of time raging and being angry yeah. at everybody out there who's not awake, who's not doing the work. Mm-hmm. And and what I'm not tending to is the sadness and the, the yeah. mourning. That, that yeah. word in particular was what mm-hmm. really struck me because, and that's what I'm learning with Resma too, is that especially to be in a white body, mm-hmm. knowing that my ancestors participated in harm and then yeah. taught me how to harm, mm-hmm. there's a deep mourning that... Mm-hmm white people collectively especially have not tapped into yeah yeah you know it's being conditioned into this way of being that's only based on violence and harm mm-hmm. and exclusion mm-hmm. and it's heartbreaking yeah to wake up to that and overwhelming because how do yeah. you even tend 
to that because it's not just you, as you said, right? You know, it's right. it's about our ancestors, right? You know, and as importantly, is also about our descendants mm -hmm. as well, and the transmission of this level and the continuation of the system, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and this and and I get it. You know, this is like it really you begin to shut down, yeah, right? When you look at the immensity of the work. Right. right. And I just tell people it's like you you have to kind of back back and stop looking at the mountain and saying how I'm going to yeah. get to the top of this mountain and start focusing your attention at the base and saying, you know what, it's just going to be one step at a time, yeah. one thing at a time, like one piece to metabolize at a time. Mm -hmm. And the work that you begin is the work really that you will continue right through multiple manifestations so the work that we're doing now this is a an arc that we're we're working in right now right and i have to understand that like this is the work that i have now is the work that i'm doing in this lifetime right yeah and it may not get me to the end but it's getting me further down the path right. of really getting free right it's funny because i believe that and mm -hmm. it's so easy for me to disconnect from that like, yeah. I know, especially personally me, I'm not going to fix this all in this lifetime. Yeah. But yeah. I, it, yeah, it, it's just disconnecting from the truth that I know that I've landed in the work that I'm supposed to be doing. And I know that I make yeah. a difference. And I guess it, it is tuning into that. And like you said, looking at just the base and how do you eat an yeah. elephant one bite at a time, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think... This is also why community is mm -hmm. extremely important. We need to be mm -hmm. surrounded by people who are also doing work because that's how we get support. That's how we're inspired. That's how we don't feel so isolated and alone yeah. in the work. The isolation is really, really going to be a barrier, right? If we don't mm -hmm. link our work to collective work of liberation. And again, you know, I think the heart of this work is letting our hearts break, mm. right? And doing the work mm -hmm. of, of grieving, you know, like mm -hmm. acknowledging the hurt, acknowledging what has been sacrificed and lost and done, right? And feeling that, that sadness, you know? And I know people are afraid of that, right? Yeah. Because we don't think we're gonna survive yeah. the heartbreak, mm -hmm. right? Well, humans are terrified of feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah especially in the systems that we've been indoctrinated by, yeah. which, you know, kind of view feelings as dangerous and mm -hmm. uncontrollable. Well, they're not productive. They're not productive, <laughs> right? They don't get us anywhere. Yeah. They make us more human, but mm -hmm. being human isn't productive, is not efficient. Right. Right. You know, and all that efficiency and productivity is really about trying to outrun Mm -hmm. The suffering, always, everything that we're doing is about trying to feel better. Yeah. But what we're doing to bring about feeling better is actually creating the conditions to feel worse and to experience more pain, yep. right? Mm -hmm. We don't get it, you know? And I think this is why, you know, I'm so grateful for, I'm so grateful for the pain, mm. like for the suffering. And not not because I'm you know, addicted or fixated <laughs> to the pain, but because I learned how to let it teach me yeah. how to be free. I, well, I learned, I learned how to let it tell me 
how it wants to be taken care of, mm. right? And that has helped me come into a really balanced, direct relationship with reality itself. Yeah. Well, I'm not so afraid of everything like I used to be because I, I just, mm-hmm. I used to believe that everything was just waiting to hurt me. Oof. You know, like everything, the world was such an antagonist. Yeah. And the fear really kept me from actually living and mm-hmm. choosing how to be free. Right. right. So a lot of people, you know, feel really trapped, you know, captive yeah. yes. in many ways. And that captivity and creates a victim. Right. Yeah. And we yeah, we and we get really sunk into that victim mentality yeah. and we lose our agency. Yes. Like you can't get free from a place of no agency because freedom is about choice. And which is the risk, you know, like I, yeah, I want, you know, my secret fantasies. Yes, I want a world where everyone just lines up and just do the work, you know, but that's not realistic because I know the greatest aspect of liberation is always agency and choice, Mm. right? It's the greatest gift is also the greatest risk Mm. that we have because we can always choose what is not conducive to liberation, Mm. Mm. Do you exist in that space all of the time? Because <laughs> I'm, I want it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not saying that every choice that I make is about getting free. Yeah. You know, but I would say I am aligned. My life is aligned towards mm. liberation. Right. Mm-hmm. So the choices that I'm making, it, well, it's like being it's it's being trained. Right. And so I've been really working hard to train myself to actually understand what freedom feels like, like as Ooh. a physical experience, as a mental experience, as an experience mm-hmm. living in a context where maybe I'm I'm not socially free. Mm-hmm. Right. To understand the complexities of what what liberation actually means. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm trained to be oriented towards that. And sometimes, you know, it's like I don't want to do that because that's hard right now. I just want to bypass, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to distract myself. But I think over time, that choice, when your life is so aligned towards freedom, those choices to bypass actually become really skillful ways to take care of yourself in the moment. Yeah. You know, because it's hard to go full on 24-7. Right. Well, there's survival strategies we develop yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but it's also important to be very honest and clear, right. you know, to say, you know what, am I really like, am I really just being really self-indulgent right now because I'm just like, you know, I'm really attached to pleasure, you know, or something that feels really good right now, you know, and I think it's okay to kind of wander in these spaces. I I practice, again, tantric Buddhism. Tantra really, it goes into everything, including pleasure. So pleasure becomes a doorway to freedom because mm. we can embrace pleasure, but we don't have to be fixated on it. It's just an experience, right? Embrace versus grasp. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Holding. You know, I can hold an experience Mm -hmm. and say, oh, this is wonderful. And that kind of orientation helps to direct me deeper into the essence of not just pleasure, but all experiences, you know? Mm -hmm. So in general, I guess in overall, I would say, yeah, everything is really aligned towards liberation. And I can feel 
yeah. when I'm not making a choice. That's mm-hmm. about getting free. Not making a choice maybe to hurt and harm, you know, or I'm making a choice to to distract myself, you know, and not have a clear decision about how I'm relating to something, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, this is but it, it's this is twenty years of practice right now, yeah. <laughs> you know, for me doing yeah. this. And I, I think about, I mean, I've been preaching to the listeners about meditation since mm-hmm. I think I'm eight years into daily meditation, yeah. and it yeah. it changed my life instantly. Yeah. Like instantly, I felt a mm-hmm. reduction of anxiety on on like a very palpable level. I mean, is that just it? Because I I hear you talking about a very fine level of awareness. Yeah. Right. And to have that mindfulness, that's the muscle that you're sort of working, right? Is meditation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's incredibly important. Like you, Mm -hmm. you can't get free without knowing. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about understanding, but knowing, seeing, becoming aware. Like I have to know what to divest from and what to invest in, right? And I have to develop this Mm -hmm. deep sensitivity to what, you know, freedom really actually feels like. Right. Right, you know, not just this over-romanticized experience, but just like, what is is actually being free feel like, you know? And I have to use this primary technology in meditation, which of course is terrifying because it's really at the end of the day, about coming home to yourself, right. right? And learning how to hold space for yourself, which is another way of saying, how do we care for ourselves, tend to ourselves by allowing ourselves to be, right? And when we allow ourselves to be, then we can look and say, you know what? There's an aspect of how I'm showing up that I would like to to change, to strengthen, mm-hmm. to tend to, Right. And again, that's always heartbreaking work because it's challenging who we think we are. Right. At the same time. So you're becoming a different person, but that different person is a more fluid, liberated person, which may look very different than who you thought you were at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is also very challenging for the people around us Mm -hmm. because. People around us depend on us remaining the same, super static and solid because that's how they build their identity and their sense of self. So when we change, we we disrupt them. And so in that disruption, they begin to weaponize their discomfort against us. And this happens so much in my life that I just expect it, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. When I change, I know that people are gonna feel a certain way because they have expectations about who and what I am. Now, yeah. I would also say this, that at this point in my life, people are just expecting me to change, you know? And particularly the people who love you, like yeah. really love you, who want you to be safe and free and happy, they may not understand what what you're doing, but they allow you mm. to make these choices, right? Particularly mm. if you have a track record of making choices that tend to work out <laughs> in the long yeah, run, right? That's true. You know, there's a trust. So I tell people all the time, like, it's like, I don't want people around me who are just projecting their fear mm-hmm. on me because this is going to be, because that's not going to stop me. That's actually not going to phase me at all because I'm so in tune to what I need to do to get free, my ethic is so strong at this point, mm. you know, that it's it's no longer personal. 
in that way. Right. Like my choice to be free is is not a judgment against you. Right. It only feels like a judgment because you haven't done that same level of work for yourself. But also I become a mirror for people inviting folks to do that work. So yeah, you know, friends and family who have definitely made different choices because they've seen me make these choices, right? In my own yeah. life. I resonate with that too. Mm-hmm. I I mean, you, you you can tell what I look like and the, mm-hmm. the listeners certainly know too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a silly choice, right? Yeah. To look whatever way it is that you mm-hmm. want to look. And for you as a black man, literally yeah. just existing mm-hmm. in that body mm-hmm. is so threatening to people that it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I went to a conference this weekend and I, mm-hmm. I constantly hear, oh, I wish I could do something like that with my hair, but mm-hmm. either I'm not brave enough or mm-hmm. I have to look professional, right. right? Like all of these things. And I, oh, yeah. I'm sad every time I hear yeah. that because I think you are mm-hmm. in prison. Yeah. I'm just yeah. coloring my hair. This yeah. is not a radical act, but exactly. it, it is. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I used to get yeah. that quite often and still do to an extent like, oh, why do you get to do what you do? Like, or, you know, why do you get to have these experiences? Why do you have the life that you have? Mm. And I say because I, I made the choice, you mm-hmm. know, like when I was in my early 20s, right, you know, coming out of college. And I remember having this, ex- this experience towards graduation where I was like, I don't want to just like graduate and settle down, hmm. you know, and buy a house and just get into that, that path. Like I want, I want so much more for my life. Like I, hmm. you know, I didn't say this at the time, but what I was actually trying to articulate was that I just want to be free. Yeah. I want to be fluid. Yes, and I show up in a particular way. I'm a black queer man, you know, a big black queer man, right? And I know how I present to people, right? And I still choose to be free because we all have work to do, right? And that work is about choosing how to to really to be in the world that's not so to be in the world that's not so conditioned by fear yeah. and anxiety, you know, which is trauma, right? And that scares the shit out of people Yeah, to not exist in fear. Because we're so self-identified. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're so identified, self-identified with trauma and mm-hmm. fear. That's who we are. And to say, you know what? Actually, that's not who I am. I'm not this contraction. Right. And tension, I'm actually an expression of space, mm. right? As we would say in tantric Buddhism, mm. to choose space means that, like, again, I have to do this intense emotional labor mm. of figuring out who I am beyond the ways in which I have been created by mm. society and culture and systems and institutions, right? To say, yeah, like, I know what's being projected into my body. And I choose to no longer identify with those projections and to live beyond, right? And there's, I mean, there are so many communities that taught me how to do that, you know, Mm. early in my 20s, right? When I made that decision not to settle, but to continue to grow and travel and everything, you know, the transgender community and the gender nonconforming community was the first community that really started embracing me. You know, this is, hmm. you know, late 90s, early 2000s, mm. right? And I, like, it was a jolt to come into spaces, you know, and to say, how do you choose to identify? When the, the first time 
I was ever asked my pronouns. Hmm. You know, I was in the late nineties. Like, wow. Well, like, well, this was probably early two thousands by now. Mm-hmm. You know, but like the first time, I was like, I mean, I I can't even describe the experience. It was like someone like opened the cell door. Yeah. It was like, oh, like I don't have to just like abide right. by other people's expectations anymore. I get to choose. Yeah, I get to choose. And I was like, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't, you yeah. know, like it just took me a moment because no one ever asked me, nor did I ever think about it. Right. 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 You know, mm-hmm. but that for me is such a fundamental experience because. So many of us have never, don't even believe we have a choice, you know? And I just was like, I have a choice. And it's not about other people, it's about me, right? It's about me and my life and this body and how I'm trying to be in the world in a way where I'm not just projecting the same old kinds of suffering and violence Mm -hmm. against everyone because I'm so, so in so much pain that I can't deal with it so a lot of what i do feels extreme you know from multi-year retreats and silence you know to plant medicine work to just to like how i study and read and engage Mm -hmm. yeah and i can like you see me on the street yeah you know i may seem like you know my hair isn't colored or like you know but what i often tell people you know, for my practice is that like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how I look is about how I feel, you know, it's like, I may not Mm -hmm. look particularly gender fluid, but I feel extremely fluid Mm -hmm. in how I move through the world. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. where I want everyone to be. It's just like, I, it's not about how you're looking, how you're showing up, it's about how you feel. Yeah. You know, like, and I want us to, to really, kind of understand that because we can be really we make a lot of assumptions about how people mm-hmm. are showing up in the world by just looking at them and saying mm-hmm. oh you know this person i have been extremely shocked and surprised <laughs> you know because i made assumptions about people mm-hmm. and i'm letting those assumptions go and i'm just like holding space and just saying you know however you show up you show up right yeah yeah but yeah i just want anyone listening to this to To really start this work of saying, you know, what are the choices that I need to make to feel free, you know? And when I say free, you know, the tangible experiences of freedom is fluidity. Like, do I feel like I have space to move, to change, to make different choices, right? Do I have the agency to think differently now? Mm -hmm. Where am I just making people comfortable, Like, where are the places in my life where I just kind of give away my agency and say, you know what, I'm Mm -hmm. just going to make someone nice and and comfortable. And like, how do I start taking that agency back and saying, you know what, I want to center more of my needs. And of course, the most powerful question that we can ask in our pursuit of freedom is asking ourselves what I need. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard, 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 hard question. Like, because many of us don't know what we need. Mm Yeah. Like we're so busy. And sometimes we think we yeah. know and it's not the right path. Exactly. You know, it's the, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a big difference between needs and wants. Like I want right. a lot of things. I want a million dollars. 
right? <laughs> right. Like, do I need it though? Mm-hmm. When I right. say need, is this going to get me free? Is this going right. to reduce harm and violence? You know, does this meet my mm-hmm. basic, you know, needs in terms of surviving and living in the world? Like, this is what I mean by needs and and right. fun and pleasure is a need. A lot of people think they're having fun, but they're really not. There's just kind of a performance. Yes. Yes. You know, like when we tap into real transformative pleasure, it changes us. I, oh, what is her name? Kai Chen Tom? Is that her name? Does that sound familiar to you? No, I, I don't think remember. so. She is a, a trans and she calls herself a, like a pleasure activist and uh-huh. Kai Chen Tom. That's right. And mm-hmm. okay. yeah, I went to her workshop and I was so oh. uncomfortable and found myself recognizing mm. how... And I think it's my definitely my Christian upbringing that pleasure yeah. is the devil, right? And like that's yeah. not how yeah. I think, but that's yeah. been woven into me. And how mm-hmm. scary it is to really allow oneself to embrace, yeah. like you said, pleasure. Yeah, yeah, I completely identify. You know, and you know, having grown up Christian as well mm-hmm. in the South, and how pleasure was something that had so much shame around it. You know, how dare I experience pleasure? You know, and then, of course, right, being, like, conditioned in patriarchy as a cisgender man, you know, although at the intersections of other, you know, identity locations of disprivilege, but, like, that, that basic kind of conditioning in patriarchy that says that, like, my pleasure as a man right is central to everything you know in the world but then and comfort (laughs) Mm -hmm. right and then realizing that it was never about pleasure at all like about power it was about (laughs) power sorry i don't mean to like finish your senses (laughs) no 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 no. like power it's it's about authority it's about being distant and that's confused as pleasurable for me pleasure is being vulnerable yes is being open it's being intimate with others Mm -hmm. it's sharing power it's being in power with Mm -hmm. it's naming myself Mm -hmm. right not letting systems name me but naming myself in the world and saying this is who i am you know to feel this kind of fundamental closeness with people Right, which is always what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of my front lines work. It's like I want to be closer to people. I want to be more open-hearted. I want to mm-hmm. be more loving. I want to be kind. I don't want to be shut down by the fear mm-hmm. or belief that I should be dominating spaces or relationships. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and and I know that like vulnerability is hard for us because we don't want to feel at risk. Yeah. And, you know, there's a really complex practice there of like really working to open into vulnerability, but also to maintain boundaries and to be to be clear Mm -hmm. about how do I maintain a sense of safety as I'm opening at the same time, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's that's just what I'm working on right Mm -hmm. now. That's always something that's up for me. Right. Well, and that's mm-hmm. where meditation becomes important because to mm-hmm. slow down and have awareness, then you can create discernment. Yeah. 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 But you have to, you know, you have to be really 
dedicated to the practice. Mm -hmm. And for me, I hated meditation when I started. I'll just be, you know, it was just very clear. Like, it wasn't like an assumption. I literally hated (laughs) meditation. I would try to meditate. I would, you know, I would go for a minute and I would just be overwhelmed because when Mm -hmm. I turned my attention back to myself, there was such, I mean, mountains of pain. Right. And I was like, oh, this isn't safe. Mm-hmm, <laughs> this can't, mm-hmm. this cannot be safe for mm-hmm. me. But, you know, but I kept coming back over and over and over again because I learned how to experience. I learned to let my heart break, you know, and the breaking of the heart, the heartbreaking has to happen over and over and over and over again. My heart breaks every day and it's okay. It's not, it's not so extraordinary anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, because that allowing my heart to break is really about allowing myself to return back to intimacy, to return mm-hmm. back to a clarity mm-hmm. and relationship with the world as it is, right? To continually connect to the struggle of the world and the struggle of myself to be in relationship to the world, which I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a part of the violence of mm-hmm. the world. Like I've participated. You know, and still participate in many ways, right? That's that's all heartbreaking and it's okay because that's where we have to start. We have to start with the heartbreak in order to figure out how to change, Mm. right? But, you know, again, just reinforcing, you know, as you've reinforced so many times, is that, you know, you have to come back to awareness. Mm. And and meditation is is that training in awareness, right? And it's it's supposed to be hard. Mm. (laughs) Like, it's... Like, if it were easy, everyone would be doing it, like, and we wouldn't be in this situation. (laughs) But this isn't self-awareness and liberation is the hardest work we will ever do, Mm. right? So we have to just expect it's going to be hard. Again, this is why community is really important. This is why teachers and mentors and guides are incredibly important in my system of practice, Mm -hmm. Right, because we we need the support. We need, you know, I'm I am only here because I was trained by people who had embodied right the the fruition of deep awareness and care for themselves. Mm. Like I wouldn't have believed this was possible if it were not for teachers who showed up and I said, Oh, how did they get like this? Because that's where I need yeah. to be. Well, and that makes me think of families, right? How can, I mean, I I work with, you know, parents of young children and they're like, okay, how do I fix Mm -hmm. my kid? And I'm like, fix yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you're Mm -hmm. here. (laughs) And yeah, to be, and, and, you know, I've got one client Mm -hmm. and she's, she's told me I can, you know, share little pieces of her story, but her mother had borderline Mm -hmm. personality disorder. And so she was, Mm -hmm. she was raised in this really emotionally abusive household and she's Mm -hmm. a mother and my God, is she a good mother? Because she wow. knows that she just yeah. needs to talk and listen to her kid. Exactly. And let whatever his feelings are be okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how many of us never got that? Right. Growing up, the yeah. space <laughs> yeah. to be, mm-hmm. you know, childhood mm-hmm. becomes yet another expression of slavery and dominance and control. Right, you know, where we're not, mm-hmm. you know, allowed to be playful because parents and guardians actually don't have the capacity to experience that kind of playful fluidity because they never got that. Yes. Right. And yes. so you have people having kids 
and exerting this level of authority, mm-hmm. you know, on these kids in themselves training another generation of authoritarians. Have you seen Shiny Happy People? Oh, my Horrifying. God. Are you kidding me? I am in the middle of watching that. That was what I was watching before I tuned into yeah. to this podcast. Like, this is like... I just kind of got up this morning and was checking some stuff and the ad was just, you know, TikTok, TikTok, Uh, (laughs) you know, everyone's like, like, it was on my TikTok feed. I was like, huh, because I never watched the show. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't really follow it Mm -hmm, that much, you mm -hmm. know, and all the controversy, but I just started watching it now and I was like, yeah, absolutely. They're literally training people to be submissive but then the men yeah. to try to take over and dominate. Mm-hmm. So everybody go to Prime yeah. and watch it. It's horrifying. Yeah. 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 And it's happening in so many parts right. of society. Like, again, like, you know, we, it, well, I would say it, it's amazing when you start really talking to people and talking with friends, how many of us grew up yeah. in communities like this yeah. that are, you know, still very invisible. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> you yes. know? But like this indoctrinating that like, yeah, there's a hierarchy here and I don't have right. rights. Right. And of course, this impacts, you know, children, women, right? Queer folks, trans folks right. the most. Like we, we you mm. know, and the hierarchy goes up, right? And God is the ultimate authoritarian. Mm-hmm. And the one right? who God speaks to, the only one. Yeah. 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 Which I'm, you know, really tired mm-hmm, of. Like, mm-hmm. You know, you know, my next book is coming out in October, The New Saints, Ooh. and I really was like, I have got to disrupt this, this God as the authoritarian yeah. father, right? Yeah. And so I do a lot of work in the book to really like deconstruct how I understand mm. God, not as an authoritarian, but as an expression of space. Mm. Right, that's inviting me back into fluidity and freedom, mm. you know, and openness. Right. right, you know, it's God. You know, my love of God is actually just a deep love and gratitude for the essence of all phenomena, mm. which is like free mm. and empty and open. Right, that's that's my understanding of God. But when God becomes the authoritarian father. You know, we're screwed and we have been screwed and we will continue yeah. <laughs> to, to be screwed until we actually start disrupting that right. for ourselves, you know. But yeah, it's so easy. Like it's it's easy to let go of our agency yeah. and to have others make decisions yeah. for us. It's hard. Like, you know, as I was saying earlier, it's just like this choice. Yeah, like the choice and the agency is hard work. Right. Because I'm having to take responsibility for myself. I'm having to know and understand who and what I am. Yeah, well, it's it's harder to discern what's actually right for yourself than it is to follow some laws that, quote unquote, God Mm -hmm. has put upon you, like Mm -hmm. wearing skirts and your hair in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this is what I have. I have these two choices every day. I'm going to do that. You know, I don't have to think about it, right? I don't have to push up against a community or a system or institution. Mm -hmm. I just follow the laws, the rules, Mm -hmm. and I'm happy, right? But then, this is what I always say, but what happens when you begin to transition out of this life? Right. And, you know, at 
been very fortunate to be trained as a chaplain, you know, and to mm. really sit with people at the end of their life. And I understand now, like, there's a deep, tremendous, profound gift that we get from the dying, mm. you know, which is this really radical reflection about what life has mm. been, you yeah. know, and what life has meant. And I just tell people, it's like, you know, and this is what I do. At the moment of my death, what will I regret? Yeah. You know, and everyone I've sat with have always said that, like, I regret not doing what I needed to do to be free, to really experience mm -hmm. happiness, right? To love in a really open, you know, fluid way. Mm -hmm. So I make those choices every day now. Yeah, I just... I just kind of look, you know, you, like you, I think that I just kind of move through the world. I'm working with people, you know, primarily as a, a spiritual guide, spiritual director, you know, and chaplain. And my compassion for people, right, is wanting them to reduce suffering and to reduce harm. And I see all the choices that they make to repress these really important parts of who they are yeah right because of the fear because of the shame right which is an expression of fear right right i think what we're trying to do is to embody what expressions of freedom look like you know yeah like it's just it's not so much just preaching and teaching you know but it's actually just showing up and saying this is what this looks like being. yeah being right that's how i learned yeah like, again, I wouldn't be here if I didn't see people mm -hmm. really just embodying what this looks like. And I'm like, okay, like, if you did it, I can I can try, right? I, I can give it my best try. And that is so important for any therapists yeah. listening right now. Yeah. I just want you to recognize, again, your <laughs> work mm -hmm. is just like a parent to a child, a therapist to a client, just being authentic, being embodied, mm -hmm. being connected to your liberation that mm -hmm. helps clients without any modalities. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To feel yeah. that, like to see it and to mm -hmm. feel someone practicing freedom. I mean, I, I, again, like those are the, the strongest examples yeah. that I have in my life. Right. And then, and I just hope that I become mm -hmm. that for folks as well. I'm sure you are already, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a lot of things I've done, like, you know, I was raised in a small, well, small town, smallish town in, in North Georgia, you know, so about an hour, you know, and some change north of Atlanta, where I'm currently living. And just a side note, it's the same hometown that Marjorie Taylor Greene represents Whoa. as well. So that gives you some context as to where I grew up around wow. people who would elect someone like her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, yeah, I, and I grew up in that community, and I was, you know, everything was so prescribed for me as a Black Southern mm. person. Like, often, you know, I got the the feedback that, oh, well, you know, Black people don't do this. Of course, also, boys mm. don't do this, and Christians mm. don't do this, you know, and all this stuff, right? And I just felt like that was fundamentally like counterintuitive yeah and i was like you know what this is you know as i was saying earlier i decided to leave the south and to like experience the world because i knew there was something else yeah that i needed to do right there was mm -hmm. something else that i was trying to become mm. and i took that risk yeah 
Because when, when you're doing the work of becoming or getting free or getting clear is nothing but risk because there are things that you will have to let go of. There are things that you will lose, including yeah. relationships, especially relationships, but also things and status, yep. you know, and other resources, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, freedom isn't free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, you just don't mm -hmm. wake up and say, I'm going to be free. There's labor mm -hmm. and offering that has to go go into this, right? And again, that, that can be heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But you even offer the heartbreak mm -hmm. to the work, right? The heartbreak of becoming who you need to be, right, in this life. Yeah. Right? Well, we're coming close to the end of our time. I mean, I could listen to you talk. <laughs> just I'll just keep you in my ears forever. But I didn't ask you yet, how do you feel about the term wounded healer as applied to you? Yeah. Well, I think that's really important because my woundedness is how I teach, yeah. right? You know, I remember um, a well-known Buddhist teacher named Pema Chodron, yeah, who was a nun up in in Canada. But you know, she's you know, her books have been so fundamental for yeah. many practitioners who aren't even Buddhists, who are just people who mm -hmm. need really good life advice, right? Yes, she's incredible. And she talks about how we, our hearts, you know, have to stay open. But it's yeah. when our hearts are open, it feels like it's, it feels like a wound. Like, and that wound stays sensitive yeah. to the world, right? You know, and so it's not that our hearts just scab over mm -hmm. and start healing. It's our wounds stay active and open and sensitive and tender. And that mm. keeps us connected to the world and, and that's where I want to be. And what that translates into is simply that like, I want to stay connected to my suffering. I want to stay connected to my work, right? I never want to think that I'm perfect, mm -hmm. right? Because perfection is, you know, an expression of white supremacy and patriarchy. Yeah. And that, you know, that performance of perfection is just another way that we create yeah. hierarchy, you know, and we create these ways of caring for people that are just really based on pity. Yes. You bless know? your heart and that's just bless <laughs> your heart that's right bless your heart you know yeah like you poor thing mm -hmm. that sucks for you mm -hmm. <laughs> you know i'm gonna be praying mm -hmm. for you as mm -hmm. if i don't have shit going on right right you know right. so it's like i when we practice like that with that kind of open-heartedness that tender kind of wounded hearted like heartedness it's it's keeping us mm -hmm. with people it's like it's not just you and me suffering we're suffering right we're struggling to be yeah. better right we're struggling to reduce harm like we we will always have work to do yeah right oh thank you feels like i got a sermon today in the best way in a good way <laughs> <laughs> not in a preachy way but where where can folks find you yeah you know my website lamarad.com and then you know on social media Instagram is Lamarad official, mm -hmm. you know, one word. And you can get, you know, from my website, you can, you know, get to all my social media handles mm -hmm. as well. My um, newsletter is really great mm. to have. And you can sign up for my newsletter on my website. And yeah, and I'm preparing to launch the pre sale of my next book. Oh, great. Good. Coming out in October called The New Saint. And it is really everything, really, that we've talked about. 
Awesome. And this hour is is really reflected in the book, you know, particularly, you know, everything about God and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's really a book about, you know, what it means to be good, mm-hmm. right? Like not just a performative goodness, but a goodness that's really about liberation, right? And asking really tough questions about where we are right now in the world and what is our work, mm. right? To bring about a liberated future, you know? And this is all based in, you know, meditation, you know, and other kinds of practices as well. So you get you get my philosophy, you also get the practices to support. This is always what I do in my, you know, in my books is offer practice for folks to get involved with. Amazing. Yeah. And I, I hope you'll come back to Chicagoland soon. Absolutely. Well, I will definitely be there for a book event in the fall. Okay, great. Then I will be there yeah. with my copy, mm-hmm. ready to get a signature <laughs> yeah. and a big old hug. Yay. I look forward to that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This has just yeah. been tremendous. Absolutely. Thanks to our guest for an amazing conversation today. To find out more about today's guest, you can visit www.headheartbiztherapy.com slash podcast. You can find Sarah at at headheartbiztherapy on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find Anne at at spareroomwellness or spareroomwellness.com. Thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.